and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. My name is James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And our producer Katie Story is with us. Hello. And we are going to be talking about a few different things today. We'll be doing a couple of first ten pages. Mm. We're going to be looking into our email bag, um, which will be very exciting. And we're also going to be talking about things that aren't comedy, which I know sounds a little bit strange. Although they're comedy, but they're not sitcom. So uh, thinking about doing other things in order to improve your own comedy writing. So we'll be talking about that. So first, let's turn to our... Uh, should we do our first 10 pages first? No, we won't. We'll yeah. do our, should we do our mailbag, mailbag first? Yes. Mailbag, Okay. So we have had an email. We do eventually get round to reading them and responding to them eventually. So I'm sorry, uh, Tom Gregory, who sent us this email in January. Uh, <laughs> so here we go. Uh, you have uh, asked us a question, and we're going to try and talk about, a little bit yeah. about that. Uh, writing a sitcom for a specific star... What, yep. Is it worthwhile if you have no connection with them whatsoever? And he was particularly thinking about um, Anton Deck, who he had um, uh, an idea that might suit them. Or, but as an example, it doesn't really matter who um, who you're particularly thinking of. Dave, is it a good idea to have a specific s- star in mind for your sitcom? Um, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he said helpfully. Um, I would say it's. It's helpful, um, certainly. I mean, as soon as you say Anton Deck, for instance, that immediately suggests two characters to me. Uh, uh, admittedly, and I know it's a very old joke that, you know, which one's Ant and which one's Deck. But actually, um, if you've got somebody in mind, it, it kind of can help you with the writing. And I mean, there are certain people who do sitcom and do sitcom very well, or have have been, not so much recently, I suppose, but I can think of uh, in terms of people who are written for rather than writer-performers. So um, if I say Martin Clunes, you immediately kind of have an idea in your head mm. of the sort of character. Um, and Or if I say Martin Freeman, um, slightly similar character, really, I suppose. Um, but you kind of get a sense in your head of, what the character is going to be like and that kind of helps you I think Um, in terms of actually thinking I am definitely going to write this for X because I think they are you know I I really want them only they could do this Uh, you're probably you're sort of restricting yourself possibly a bit there and also you're uh you know even if they love it they, they somehow get hold of your idea and they love it and then suddenly they get offered a Hollywood movie just when they're about to do your sitcom and so um, that's it bye bye sitcom so um, it's it's a little bit of it, 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 it's a little bit fraught to actually be too specific I think I think as yeah I, I agree with that I think if you're trying to come up with sitcoms that is hard work and whatever is your starting point is fine yeah. by me yeah. and if it's casting great that's as good a place to start as any so you can build a show around someone Having said that, once you've got that world, that show, that idea, it would seem surprising to me if there were only one person in the universe for whom that would be a good uh, sitcom vehicle. So a show that does suit Martin Clunes, you could probably think of three or four other people who are you know, up there with, mm. with the Clunes yeah. um, who would be able to do that. And actually, in, the, in reality, hopefully you'll you've got a voice in your head that you can hear that will help you write a good script. So you don't really know what doors that script is going to open. Yeah. So 
overall, I think it's it, it could be a very good idea uh, to do that. But um, bear in mind that if it's if it's too specific, if it is a, an Anton Deck show and it is about two guys from the northeast of England, and it really is that, you think, well, okay, you are you are cutting down your chances. But at least. But if you're also from the northeast of England and that gives mm. you an angle and you know what it's like, then suddenly there's an authenticity about yeah. your show mm-hmm. that will that will shine through in a script. So yeah. I, I think uh, that's a, a worthwhile exercise. I think the one, the one thing that's changed in recent years that makes it more difficult is, um, we'll probably touch on this a uh, bit later, is the, the rise of the writer-performer. And so I suspect if you were to go to um, somebody... A Lee Maxey or a Sarah Millican or whatever um, with an idea for a sitcom they would probably be thinking well if I'm going to do a sitcom I've, I, I'd have the idea myself or, um, so, or so, a writer that I work with regularly will yeah, have an idea Yeah. because um, lots of these guys That's true. usually have a yeah. somebody in particular they work with and we've I think on the blog I've uh, my blog I've spoken to uh, Pete Sinclair who works yeah. a lot with Jack D and they did Lead Balloon together so if you had a Jack D idea, it seems unlikely that he would take mm. to it, given that he's already got his own ideas and Pete's got his ideas too, yeah. and they are already working on stuff. So, yeah. um, but I think it's it's a good question, yeah. and I think anything that helps you formulate a voice in your mind um, is is probably to be encouraged. But obviously, you can. Um, I mean, the only this just brings to mind the story of the movie Notting Hill, where. Richard Curtis had a part of Anna Scott, who was clearly the most famous movie star in the world. Yeah. And the only person who plausibly could play that part at that time was Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. And I think he realised that if he couldn't get Julia Roberts to play Anna Scott, he hasn't got a film. And because you, th- you think, oh, who else could you have got? Well, it just wouldn't have been quite... It had to be Julia Roberts, really, right. didn't it? Yeah. To get people to turn up for the movie and for it to be plausible and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So you do occasionally get to those situations where you think, if this person doesn't want to do it, then that's the end of it. Or you get, the, conversely, the situation where a show like My Family, for instance, that was, I think the pilot was made with uh, Jim Carter and Imelda Staunton as the couple, and then it was all set to go, and Jim Carter got some very big job that meant they had to pull, uh, or they were all set to pull it, and then they just said, oh, sorry, we'll just get two other people in. And Robert Lindsay and Zoe Wanamaker happened to be available yeah. for that show. And um, the rest is my family, as it were. <laughs> yeah. So that, those are our thoughts on that. Thank you very much Thank for you. your question, Tom. We have another one from Liam Arnold. Mm-hmm. Just to be clear, uh, uh, women are allowed to email us too. <laughs> it is usually men, uh, yeah. which I, have, I make no comment on, but um, women are also available um, and I have access to email, I believe. So do please... Let's keep this equal opportunities. They just know what they're doing. They don't need. They help. just know what they're doing. They don't even. Yeah. That that that's definitely the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Liam Arnold has asked a question about. Um, I'll just read the email. I've been thinking recently about some unseen characters in yeah. sitcoms in the wake of Dad's Army, the movie, revealing Mrs. Mannering to the world. Right. I've not seen the movie. Me too. Um, Spoiler alert there. What, what are your thoughts on these characters and the purposes they serve? Uh, they seem to be used, in my opinion, as an authority figure over the main character most of the time, which is a very good point. Yeah. Um, you make there, Liam. Del Boy's mum, they hold a seance to emphasise this. 
Steptoe's mother, Seance also. Mrs. Mannering, never shown in the show. Even uh, Tom and Jerry has one, which is the, actually, I always used to assume was the person who owned the house, but of course yeah. it wasn't. It was the black maid right. who worked in the house. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and another example I would give, Liam, would be Maris in, um, Frasier. in Frasier. Yeah, yes. They're interesting characters, so maybe worth a discussion on a pod. Anyway, keep up yeah. good work. Thanks very much. Uh, thank you, Liam. I don't have much to say on this other than I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah. I think this is a device that can be overused mm-hmm. and you have to be, I think you have to have a fairly good reason to do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Yeah. I mean, I think there are uh, ways in which, uh, interestingly, uh, uh, virtually all the characters that you've, you've, you've picked out there are, are women and, um, you know, <laughs> they are from kind of male heavy sitcoms and sitcoms in which the that that's kind of the key relationship is like father son or or, or two brothers um or um with, with dad's army and you've got the kind of the, the, the sort of class thing there um so yeah it's not something uh i would i would do lightly it sort of it feels slightly old fashioned now i mean we've been thinking we have a a character uh and something that i'm working on at the moment but he he is um, a stranger in a, a foreign land and so there's kind of reason for there to be various unnamed uh, people um, that, who, who are kind of uh, after him but um, I think it's I, I, it, I, I think it's been done so well um, for instance um, and, and Maris was probably the last great mm. sitcom character who, um, who was not as it were, um, what it what it gives you the advantage it gives you with Maris is they were always able to make the it, it, they were all radio jokes basically. Yeah. They were able to make her more extreme than any human being could ever possibly <laughs> That's be. True. Yeah. Because she was obviously extremely thin and extremely unreasonable. Yeah. Um, and so a piece of work, as uh, someone might say. Yes, She's, I think yeah. so. So uh, what my worry is that people fall in love with this as an idea. And they start trying to get it into the first episode of their new sitcom. Mm. Whereas if you do have an unseen character, that's the sort of thing that I would hope would emerge yeah. by, you know, by the, by the time you're writing episode five of a show that's actually on TV, good luck everyone. <laughs> um, you, you might realize that you've referred to somebody three or four times and you've mm. never seen them. Yeah. And at that point you might think, Oh, wouldn't it be fun if we never see them? Yeah. And that might be fun. I agree. Uh, yeah, but it I, I, might I, not be. I think don't try. Yeah, I, I agree. Don't try too hard, and don't 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 spend too much time thinking how could we, you know, how could we create this this uh, character and what what will it be? Yeah, it, it's it a bit should... like catchphrases, isn't it? I think yeah. people think wouldn't it be great if my character had a catchphrase, and they always say this. Mm. I think catchphrases tend to emerge. Yeah. Uh, when when it's going well, and um, it's it amazes me, but it's I know that it would be true. David Renwick. Had had not noticed how many times Victor Meldrew said, "I don't believe it." Really, and other people spotted that first. Right. I mean, actually, in um, uh, Bluestone, we had in one in the very first episode, we had a, a very sweary based um, mm, uh, catchphrase, which then people quoted continually while whilst the next seven episodes were being aired, Didn't which did it. not contain the phrase ever. No. So we then put it back into series two and three, and it then became a bit of a yeah. became a bit of a thing. Mm-hmm. But it it took on a life of its own. Yeah. Um, 
So um, you don't know, do you? And I mean, you can try. Uh, you know, Harry Enfield's and Matt Lucas's. You know, they obviously they, they work hard to try, and sometimes they do they do stick the only gay in the village or whatever. But mm. uh, yeah, it's um you you have to work really really hard to get them right. Mm. But so the, 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 the likewise the, the, this mystery uh, invisible character. Um, but anyway, anyway, thank you, thank, thank you, Liam. Liam. Um, we're now going to turn to our first ten pages. And if you would like to read these along, then go to our Facebook page, Sitcom Geeks, like us on Facebook, and hopefully you'll find a link there. And hopefully I'll remember, I'll have remembered to have put them up so that you can download them. Sorry if I've forgotten to do that. I will just send us an email and I'll do that. Send us an email to sitcomgeeks at gmail.com or tweet me or something and say, oh, you haven't done it. And we do. We promise to get round to. We, we, we. Well, we shouldn't really promise that, but we're doing our best to get round to reading them all. And uh, I think yes, we'll yeah. try and read them all. We can't guarantee to do them all yeah. on on that, on air because also sometimes you think I don't know how much I've got to say about this that feels like we haven't said it before. So we're going to do look at look at two first ten pages today. First ten pages. Send ten page t- challenge. Ten page challenge. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't call it the ten page challenge because. Uh, script notes has the three-page challenge. We've oh, okay. obviously nicked this from oh, okay. them. Oh, so right. oh. Um, I was thinking like the Dan's doorstep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the cha- it, it is it is a much better title. Yeah. I have to say, yeah. but in my context, oh, okay. I can't do it. Yeah. Selena the Cave Girl by Jim Spears. We're right. going to look at first. Yeah. And uh, Dave, would you like to quickly summarise this? Yes. Uh, this uh, the, the the opening gag uh, says uh, titles fifty thousand BC, British Isles, Stockport. Yes, I know Stockport hasn't been invented yet. And my first thought was, ah, right, yes. Um, you know, I work on horrible histories a lot, and there's a lot of that. There is a limit to the number of times you can do the joke about, ah, we can't do that because it hasn't been invented yet. Um, and I thought, mm, no, uh, we shouldn't. Um, we've already got it in the first gag. Um, and then the second uh, gag was something, the, the, the moon is so beautiful, and the guy sitting there says what is moon and so we sort of got the same gag again so i was kind of at this point thinking "Mm, not sure um although i I mean you could actually i think at least they're jokes yeah uh (laughs) british r's stockport that would have been that would have stood fine on its own without the yes i know it hasn't been invented yet um so that was from from this sort of unpromising start gradually this uh script uh like like a sort of comedy caveman's um stick sort of battered me into submission <laughs> and actually by the end of the script i was laughing a lot i, I really was um enjoying it and basically the premise is uh selena the cave girl is a little bit cleverer than all the other people around so you've got a you've got a classic uh sitcom uh, character fish out of water is a sort of cliche that we often use about a, a sitcom character uh, Reggie Perrin being a great example here is Selena the cave girl a, gr- a great sitcom character she's slightly more aware and has slightly more knowledge of life than the others and so she's basically surrounded by a kind of a, 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 an army of stupid mm. <laughs> stupid people who can be as stupid as you want and they they are all sort of different different layers of stupid and uh, it's a great world as well. We talked in a recent episode about creating a world. You, you, you've, you've actually got here a world and providing you don't do too many of those, oh, this hasn't been invented yet, uh, jokes, then you can, uh, if you can 
keep that world going. It's great, and it's and it great. There's a scene in a classroom where where they're sort of doing uh, they're doing their sums and they're adding up, and they got they do uh, the, the teacher draws a bone. Uh, how many? Uh, one. Okay, and then. Uh, and then they draw another bone, and that's two. And then they get and says, "Right, I'm going to do another one." Oh no, this is far too advanced. This is too complicated for us. It's a, it's a lovely idea. And then they sort of randomly start thinking up words like three and four for the for the next ones. Yeah. And uh, also, there's this lovely thing that everything that nobody knows what things are. Anything that isn't something that they can name, they call it a monster. And Selena is the only one who says, "No, it's not a monster." It's, uh, you know, it's the moon. Uh, so you now don't need to read the script because Dave has told you the whole script. <laughs> I've just told you, give you a, a flavour of some of yes. the jokes and there are lots and lots of jokes. There are lots and lots of jokes and it made me laugh, um, mm. which is a great start. Um, and there's a story as well. There is a story. Very early on, set up in the opening scene, more or less, uh, which is that Selena wants, the, uh, wants to have separate toilets for women. Yeah. From the men's or yeah. separate part of the woods to yeah. have their toilet in, and uh, and that's that's sets up the story. That's great. I like that. Um, I didn't like it as much as you, <laughs> <laughs> by which I mean I did like it, but you loved it. Um, so my so what I like about it is it zips along, loads of jokes. It's very efficient. You paint the world very quickly and simply. Um, so lots of uh, smartly written. That's great and. So, tick tick, brilliant. My so I've got a worry about this script, and then I have a worry about the idea overall. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be um, I'm going to be bad cop today. The <laughs> is there any other day? Uh, so before, the the script is good in that it, the quest is set out clearly. Selena wants separate toilets for the boys and girls. Okay, but why? Um, other than the fact that the alternative is gross, there's nothing really hanging on this other than it's something that Selena would like. And if she fails in this quest, it sort of doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So my worry is that there's just not really enough at stake here for anyone. And I know it's sort of knockabout that sort of show, but I think you sort of need to have a little bit more um, uh, grist in the mill, as it were. There's not quite enough here. And so yeah. even though I, I enjoyed reading the 10 pages... I've got a feeling that after 15 pages, I'd be like, oh, okay, this person can write jokes. Um, this is not, um, you know, this is not going to... I mean, there is an... So so that's my one short-term worry for this script, is that the story doesn't really matter enough. Yeah. So that's that's a worry. Uh, do you have any response to that? Yes, I, I think that's a fair point. And I do think uh, it's also... I think you reminded us, as, as I was, of... The Flintstones. It is very much like the Flintstones, and the Flintstones was basically uh, a kind of an American family sitcom yeah. that was happened happened to be Stone Age. So it kind of have to be something that's a bit more than that. Uh, and I th- and I think it's true. I think Selena possibly, probably by virtue of being the smartest, cleverest, and and and, and just having mentioned Reggie Perrin there, mm. um, if if there was a way in which. Um, her, that the fact that she wants to escape but is trapped, and, mm. and that, I think maybe that would that would kind of up the stakes a bit, wouldn't it? Really? Yes, I mean it may be that she's from the future and she can't work out a way of getting back or yeah. something. But at the mm. moment, see, the Flintstones was a family show. The, the Flintstones was the Simpsons of its day, yeah. and it was about family. Mm. And the twist was it was the Stone Age family. 
So it was always about Barney and Wilma and, you know, and uh, Fred, and and, uh, Fred and Wilma, Barney and mm. uh, the other one. Um, <laughs> Betty. Betty. Yes. Um, so it was always family first yeah. and it always mattered because it was about family yeah. whereas this doesn't quite have that right and so that's my overall worry for the show is it's not really saying anything about anything mm-hmm. um it's a bit of an elongated sketch the other thing it reminded me of is there's um uh, the seth MacFarlane movie a million ways to die in the west right which I have to say, I thought it was really funny. If you're the sort of person that likes Family Guy, you're the sort of person that will probably like A Million Ways to Die in yeah. the West. Where Seth MacFarlane's character is in the Wild West and he keeps effectively saying, this is a horrible place to live. <laughs> you, this is a brutal society. Why, do, why does no one else notice quite how awful this is? Right. And I think oh, that's a perfectly watchable film. People were very sniffy about it, but I thought, what, what, what were you expecting if Seth MacFarlane... <laughs> movie to be other than a bunch of jokes right um i like jokes yeah, so yeah. my worry is um <laughs> that you will only ever be as successful as seth MacFarlane, yeah. which will obviously be a horrible thing mm-hmm. uh, for you jim but <laughs> overall um my worry was that again as i said I, i've said about other scripts why why this show why now mm. um also for information it's a it's a while ago now but there was a kid's show i think called cave girl Right. That I would imagine was exactly this premise. Right. So it feels like a kid show to me. Yeah. And I mean, I don't mean that in a bad way at mm-hmm. all, because um, it's very jokey and horrible histories ish, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. But um, they've done this as a kid show. Right. Uh, at some point. Right. And it was called Cave Girl. Right. Um, I, I vaguely remember it. Yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah. But anyway, Jim, it's a, it's you, you're funny. You can write funny. That's excellent news. Yeah. Um, it's just a question of probably just sharpening up and you know working out how to just make this matter a bit more. Or, um, but as a writing sample, I think it's good. I think it shows what you can do. But I would think of a way of making the toilet really matter, or maybe thinking of a slightly more urgent quest. Or, right. or if there's, if there's a way in which she can be the insightful one who saves the society from itself because they're all about to. Uh, run off a cliff yeah. because they're scared of, a, of the moon or something and she has to save them yeah. um, or something like that. But maybe you've got that and it's all brilliant in the for, for, in the following 25 pages yeah. but it's not in the first 10. Thank you, Jim. Thank you very much. Thank you for sending that. Uh, we are going to do another one called Misery Rail yeah. by, I'm going to say Mark Le. Lelivre? Yeah, that's Yes, thank you, Mark. Thank um, you, Mark. Sorry if we've mispronounced your surname. I think it's extremely likely that we have. Yeah, uh, and this is uh, interesting. It's from, uh, I, I, I guess this is very much a, a write-what-you-know sitcom, I'm guessing, because uh, this is about a, a very specific uh, rail journey with all the stations mentioned, including the same uh, one as the address that you've sent the script from. So I'm guessing this is a personal, very much personal experience. Uh, I'm also guessing, well, and this this is more of a leap, really, that um, because the first these first ten pages that we got are that all they all take place on this journey, and it's a very uh, and it's a very repetitive journey. It's 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 called Misery Rail. It's very got got very much that sort of Groundhog Day feel. This guy's getting on the the train again, 
Um, and I, I'm slightly worried that maybe this is, uh, and you may have even had the idea before car share, but I'm slightly worried that this is the train version of car share, that this is an entire sitcom set on this line. It's called Misery Rail, and we, the whole thing that we see is it is the first sort of 10 minutes of that journey. So um, that that's already a slight problem, I think, is, oh, it's car share in a train. Um which is what a producer might say, and sorry, we've already got car share. However, um, to move to move on to it, it is uh, there, there's there's a, a central character who um, gets on on the train, and obviously it's about him. There's a there's a lot of dialogue. And I thought there's a lot uh, that could be done without dialogue. Um, and for instance, it, it it starts it starts. He gets on the train and he sort of mimics the voice of the person saying, "Hello, welcome on Misery Rail. We're going. We're stopping at there, there, there." And you you can just tell by him mimicking without him even necessarily saying it um, that he um, he's obviously uh, very miserable. <laughs> he's he's not happy. Uh, and then there's a whole there's there's a whole section of stuff where he talks about all the other people on the train. But actually, I felt all the stuff that he said about these people um, and about this journey and about uh, people you know, people come on this train to die or whatever. But you could kind of do that without any of that dialogue at all. You just do it by showing the various people. And you have this kind of... The, the, the first two characters that he comes into contact with are a guard and his um, sidekick. And uh, it's a nice idea that these guys are the... They're, they're, it's... it's sort of a bit like porridge almost and uh yes they're the prison uh, wardens. yeah they're yeah. like the prison warders and uh they're 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 kind of it's a nice idea but it's a it's a bit inconsistent um it starts out with this kind of horrible uh guard with this kind of very green scared trainee and then by the end of the 10 pages the 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 the, the, the trainee sidekick is he's sort of getting all the gags and he's really sort of yeah ripping the other guy to shreds so so there's a kind of bit of inconsistency there and then there's various people who get on the train and there's the the beautiful woman who gets on the train which feels like something that you know we've 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 seen that too many times i think and i didn't feel you had a kind of new angle on that character you'd need to have something that's a bit that that moves on from here's a man and he sees that beautiful woman get on the train and he never quite uh, summons up the courage to to go and talk to her, and why should would she talk to him anyway, etc. etc. Um, and then there's some there's a few sort of nice ideas as well. There's a, 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 a slightly odd thing where the uh, the guy who uh, the, this sort of uh, main guard, the sort of older guy who's starting to keep a diary and it's keeping a diary of his farts, uh, which is sort of quite a funny idea, but a bit bit. Uh, uh, it's sort of. Don't quite believe a grown man would do that. No, but I would imagine that he might be keeping a diary because he has pretensions that he's going to be a writer. Yeah. He thinks he's going to be a writer, and then it just happens that all he's writing is the different farts that he's done. Correct. You know that. I, yeah. I, I, I would. I would buy that. Um, and there's another. There's a very nice little gag as well, where the the, the younger guy, the apprentice guy, he draws a uh, he draws a penis on the guy's ticket. You know, like when you get to give you a train ticket and they sort of do a squiggle. And this one, he's drawn a penis, and oh, you've drawn the veins as well. I just thought that was sort of <laughs> taking that joke just a little further. Um, but apart from that, I did find that then the character, the other characters who came onto the train, it didn't um, didn't feel like 
there were we were moving the story on in any way and it also I wasn't kind of very surprised by that they didn't bring anything to to it that made me think oh that's really something something quite interesting is going to happen here and it was there was this um character who I sort of think must work in the same office because he was talking to him and they they were chatting and they were talking on first name terms and he was just kind of talking sort of making lewd comments about one of the women in the office and also about the pretty woman on the train and so I was a little bit confused by that either he knows either they knew each other well in which case it felt uh it felt like a strange conversation for two people who know each other to be having or they didn't know each other um and so again i was a little bit confused and i didn't so my overall feeling was it's a sort of very interesting idea but i wasn't quite sure where it was heading and there wasn't there wasn't actually a story yet as we've discussed many times with our um first 10 pages is you don't you need to get a story in there very early on we need to know what the story is yes um thank you i i i agree with with that um to add to that is so on top of that we've got in the first 10 pages we've got Tom the chief the trainee Sarah someone called Susan is mentioned at one point as well which I think might be a typo Norman Paul a workman and Derek so that's quite a lot of people mm. um and um and in one sense I think we're always attracted writers are often attracted to confined situations like a car share there's also that a little while ago there was the smoking room and there was the royal family and there was sort of sitcoms of confinement which sort of played out in real time and I think there's a real I think writers tend to get quite excited about those because they usually end up as bottle episodes where everyone's trapped in a lift or something and it then becomes a bit of a writing exercise so I'm always nervous when people employ it because clearly it's going to be like this every week yeah um but you just think, well, what are you getting out of it? And therefore, I wondered if... So there was that thought. The other thought is, to me, this feels like a play. Um, yeah. And because they're not moving situation, it feels like you've written a play. And that. And what you've got here is... Because um, there's no grabby incident, clearly Tom is having some kind of a breakdown and is going to do something stupid or dramatic at some point. Um, and there's a sort of shades of Reggie Pear in there as well, isn't there? Which yeah. is like he's on the edge of a edge of something. So that's a good thing, you know. This is all good, but it just feels like. And the other thing is, um, all the characters aren't actually talking to each other. They're all talking, but they're all talking across each other and around each other, and they're all in their own worlds. And um, and in a sense, I think you know you're doing it, and you're happy with this. But again, it just felt like you were setting up a play mm. and that you didn't have characters talking to each other and moving any kind of plot along. Um, so there was lots of people talking either pretentiously or saying what sort of person they were and all that kind of stuff. And actually, some people do talk like that and I think you you must know people who are a bit like that and that's, that's fine. But overall, I felt that this is a 90-minute play and that you were setting you were setting up a longer story, um, and actually, look, you know, play, sitcoms are plays, especially yeah. audience ones. Well, they began as plays. Well, they, began they as began plays. As I did not know until I watched the recent rather excellent ITV3 documentary about Rising Damp, 
right. that that was a play. Yeah. Um, and also, um, I'm sure Jason and Joel will be able to tell us at one point if we talk to them that um, Ever Decreasing Circles was a play. Right. Um, uh, or there, there, there is a play version yes. of those sorts of characters. Well, we, like we, Martin had a, Bryce. we had a back and forth about that. And I, I saw a play from the 70s, early 70s at Revival um, that reminded me totally of the, the, the principal characters. Oh. Well, it, was, it was like a Russian play. Or oh, okay. a, a well, this is a play yeah. written by the Rich Byers and yeah. Larby, so oh, right. it really oh, was okay. a forerunner. Oh, yeah, oh, fair enough. So yeah. anyway, so, I, mm. so my, my, I, what I wonder is whether it, you're trying to put a, a court in a pint pot rather mm. than us say, chop this thing up and um, make it half an hour and make it faster and make it this and make it that. It may mm. be that you don't want to do any of those things and actually what you want to do is write a play. Mm. And... I would do that if I were you, mm-hmm. and and put it on and see how it goes and see what what works and what doesn't work. Have yeah. a read through. Um, it felt very play like to me. Um, yeah. So that yeah. that would be my mm-hmm. you know that would be my thing anyway. Um, okay. So hopefully we've said something of use, uh, Mark, in in what that is. It may be like, no, it isn't a play. It's a mm-hmm. sitcom, you moron. Of course <laughs> it is, and how dare you? And, uh, but of but, course, uh, the, that's the, the early sitcoms were uh, that that that's all the sort of Steptoe and Hancock grew out of like one act dramas, and they were they were called the kind of the, the, the they 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 were called the sort of one act plays before they were yeah. called sitcoms. I think. So, um, but in one sense, I think the genre itself has kind of moved on, although we've yeah. now moved back. With, I mean, you've also got um, him and her, mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. So there's a, there's a sort of a a Pinteresqueness about yeah. it, isn't there? Yeah. But at the same time, there's that kind of um, what's that play? Um, Enter a free man. Um, I can't remember who. That's a very famous play by someone quite so famous. famous that I don't know who. Um, <laughs> not that I'm the right person to um, go to to ask. I, I could look it up, but um, yeah. I'm not going to. Um, so it's. I think it's a play, which then brings us... So, thank you, Mark. And actually, this brings us on to the fact that I say it's a play because I, I've i been doing a play recently mm. and really enjoying it. And it's a play It's a play called The God Particle. I wrote it about three, four years ago, and this is the third production of it, which I've also directed mm. and enjoyed much more than I thought I would. And so what we're just going to finish the podcast with is just talking about stuff that we've done that we've done for a just to do something a bit different, just to shake yeah. things up a bit, um, and this so, and I've really enjoyed this fact that this play has it takes seventy five minutes, and I originally wanted it to be a Radio Four sitcom, um, but Radio Four didn't want to do it, mm-hmm. um, partly because it's about religion, it's about religion and science, and um, whenever you mix religion with comedy. Um, commissioners are terrified <laughs> um so uh, they didn't want to do it but i just thought do you know what i want to do it yeah so i'm going to do it right. so i i wrote a, i wrote it as a play i um got it put on i produced it um and then it went dormant for a bit and then in august last year i thought bluestone had finished and i thought do you know what i kind of want to do something that will just take me out of sitting behind a laptop right. i'm going to direct my play mm-hmm. I sort of I probably don't know how to direct but I could probably direct this yeah and um, you listen to the podcast by Dave and James about doing things do it yourself yes. making your own show exactly which I, which I generally advise <laughs> people not to do um, <laughs> yes. but because also um, 
because of my background, I know of probably about 70 vicars. I thought I could probably get this put on in churches, which is where right. I wrote it to be performed originally. Right. And so I managed to string it all together and, you know, managed to make it break even just about. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I've been really enjoying it. And I've also been doing the sound and the lights and I've been shunting lights around and, yeah. and you know, putting them up and wiring Working them up with and, actors as well. And working with actors. Yeah. Working with people, they're both about 15 years younger than me. So I tend not to spend a lot of time with people in their early mid twenties. Mm-hmm. You know, these are people who have had a completely different upbringing for me because they had the internet their whole lives, right. and, I, and I didn't. Yeah. Um, so it's you know, and I've been driving a van, managed to get a speeding ticket in Scotland. Um, it's all, <laughs> and it's just been really good fun. You've been living the life. James, I've been living the you? life. Um, I've been really living it up. Speeding tickets. Speeding tickets. Yes, that's uh, right. Yeah, I know exactly where I got yeah. it as well. I knew at the time. I thought, oh, <laughs> blimey, I'm going to get one for that. Crazy, um, I mean, I've crazy never had rock and roll. I've lifestyle. never had one before. Oh, um, I managed to managed to get out of them in the past. So, uh, do you think? Do you think this has helped you for your uh, sitcom writing? Thing? Um, I think it hopefully will do in the long term, just because. You know, I'm just having different experiences. For me personally, because I have a, a particular church interest as well, because of the nature of the play, we ended up doing it in five or six churches in Scotland, some of which were Episcopal churches. I don't have any contact with Episcopal churches in Scotland. One was a little, almost like a chapel in a small town just outside Aberdeen. And and I just sort of went there and just sort of took the scenery in and just met a few people and people outside of my kind of area. Um, because obviously within the church there are sort of different tribes and that kind of stuff, and so I was spending time with people from different tribes within my own, um, within my own sort of uh, community, and and it, yeah, and and staying with people as well. We've also been being put up uh, by people and staying um, staying in people's houses a little bit, uh, as well as some hotels here and there. And again, it's just been really interesting, just meeting people who've mm-hmm. lived who've lived in different cities, different countries. And also now sort of thinking, oh, okay, if I need to ask someone about this, I can talk to that person. Or if I need to research this idea, I can talk to that person. Um, So, you know, and also it's pretty good exercise, (laughs) unloading vans and putting up lights and, you know, and doing all that kind of business. Yeah. And so I just think it's just been a fun thing to do. And on top of everything else, it's great fun. We did, uh, as a recording, we did the show last night in front of 600 people at a big um, Christian uh, convention. And um, it's great to look out on a full house and think, oh, this is great. The BBC can't cancel this. Right. I'm doing something that I don't... I haven't asked permission for anyone to do this. I'm just doing it. And we've got another load of dates in April and May, and we're going to record a DVD of it, and I'm Uh going to do a Kickstarter campaign for it. And I've never done that before. So... I'll see what fun that is. And I yeah. might decide, oh, well, great, I'll never do that again. But I've learned, you know what I mean? So yeah. um, it's just, we're going to try and record it almost as if it's a studio sitcom in front of an audience. Right. Um, and why not? Yeah. Um, and I might learn something. And um, it's been really fun working with actors whose background is not improvisational comedy. Yeah. Um, and so I've sort of learned a bit about that as well. Yeah. So hopefully I'll be able to give better notes and direction should I ever end up in that kind of situation as a writer or writer-producer or anything like that. Yeah. So um, so it's been really good. Uh-huh. And I just think it's... So although in the past I have said, don't do your own thing, uh, what I have said is, 
um, do your own thing if you can learn stuff about, you know, you sort of learn yeah. about stuff that other people do so that you have a greater appreciation for it when you're asking them to do their job yeah. or what mm. you think should be their job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm not the only one who's been on the road or yeah. will be on the road. Dave, well, what, I think what, what I, were you thinking when you decided that you might do Edinburgh again? We've discussed this. Well, I think the uh, I think the key phrase that you used there uh, as um, was um, the BBC can't cancel it, and let's not let's not just be knocking the BBC the whole time because they make more comedy than anyone else. But but it is in terms of when you've got something that you do, and actually this was. Uh, this was something that I tried to work up as a sitcom idea, and occasionally when we talk about um, sitcom, and I won't really say about sort of you creating, you know, before before you start writing, you know, really think through your idea: is this a sitcom? Uh, and you, and then I say you may find that actually it's not a sitcom, and all you've done is waste a bit of time, um, but you haven't actually wasted lots and lots of time writing a script mm. to find out, and. Um, that the the idea that, that that's that's kind of a part of this show is is um, the one that I was thinking would be a sitcom and that in the end I decided it wasn't and then I tried to tried it as a novel and I couldn't get it to work as a novel and I, so it's just kind of been lying there for a long time and then it sort of tied in with another idea that I've been working on which is a less of a sort of straightforward comedy thing but more kind of documentary because I make documentaries occasionally um, and the two things kind of came together and um, I had a bit of time where I thought well I can while I'm waiting to hear about a couple of other things I will give myself January to write this as a as a one man show and see if I can do that um, and I did and I was able to bring it in on time and I booked a couple of gigs to do it and so it, it's been relatively not uh, not very time consuming except I've now decided to do it in Edinburgh and suddenly it starts <laughs> to be time consuming um, How long are you doing it for in Edinburgh? Well I'm only doing five nights, right. five lunch times in Edinburgh um, so it's a show and it's a one man show and I've always done one man shows in Edinburgh and they've always um, they're, they're, they're kind of not they're very much my kind of thing they're not things that anyone else could do really it's a very personal show it's very autobiographical um it's about my relationship with my dad and like all the great sitcoms of course um like all great literature and yes i know it's a cliche um but it's a good story i think and it's uh topical as well and it's about how we can only communicate uh or we only used to be able to communicate by uh, arguing about israel um so it's uh you know not a controversial topic at all there really <laughs> and then i decided well why don't i do it as a full-length poem and to which you all say god's sake <laughs> you're asking an audience to sit and watch a poem um afraid so yeah but i just thought well you know rhyming gags is a thing that i do very well and you know um i might as well show off the things that i do very well as yeah. part of the show really and um uh, also in the process we you know well what why you know yeah. you may well ask why and in fact james i think you really you did ask me why uh yes i've got a note saying uh you're not going to be on tv with this show what i'm not going to be you? on tv with this show no but uh i mean it is it could potentially be a radio show i don't know if somebody from radio sees it and likes it, it could be there are a lot of a lot of sort of one person shows yeah. 
turn into like two half hour or three yeah. 15 minute episodes uh, so that's a, that's a possibility uh, I think it is more the fact that um, just getting your name out there really and get, getting out there and being known as someone who isn't just oh right okay um, he's the horrible history's song guy um, and it's actually oh and then oh, I saw his name associated with something yeah. Um, because I, I have been trying to uh, do Horrible Histories live, but that's another story. That's, uh, that's another legal <laughs> battle for another sad, day. bitter story, yeah. which I won't go into, because uh, I'm not allowed. And uh, that's um, I, I thought, well, you know, I, I, the first ten years of my career were performing, and um, I've ne- never quite lost the bug. And uh, so I've done it once so far, and it went very well, and I'll be doing it three or four times again. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I go to Edinburgh, great. So that's why. But yes, it's it's. You have to ultimately you have to do stuff that you want to do that you're yeah. interested in just to keep you, yeah. just to keep you fresh. And it's all part of it. I mean, any any company. Because the thing, because we're because we, we're, we're essentially self-employed. Any company should be spending fifteen twenty percent of its time doing R and D. Yeah. And just trying new stuff and just doing new things that mm. might not necessarily go anywhere. I like what you said about how it's led you to other things, and you've got you've got interesting ideas for other stuff. Just yeah. and, and you know people now that you can talk to about it. And this has definitely, it's kind of real because it's very autobiographical, and it's it's a lot about my kind of teenage years, and it's kind of a re- rekindled a lot of relationships I had yeah. from back then, and a lot of ideas and things back then, and it's reminded me of of, of, of things, and it's it's given me more ideas for for future stuff as yeah. well. But yes, it was a, it was a failed sitcom idea, right? Like mine. <laughs> oh, right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So um, nothing goes to waste, and no yeah, idea absolutely. left behind. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think we should probably um, draw shut things up. to a shut up there <laughs> yeah. because uh, we've got plenty we've been to going on. Yes. Um, so we will speak to you next time. As always, like us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Buy books. Read blogs. Write keep to writing, us. write to us at sitcomgeeks. Sitcomgeeks at gmail.com. Correct. Uh, I'm at sitcomgeek and you are? I'm at Cohen Dave. And Katie Story is? At K-E Story. At K-E Story. Thanks very much for listening. Speak to you next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.